Hey, NBA members, this is Kyle Klammer here. This is Zach Welch. And this is... The Good Life Bowhunter, the official podcast of the NBA. That it is. Back again, man. It's been a little while since we've uh, recorded an episode here. <laughs> it has been a while. Been been busy. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, you know, the start of the seasons and everything. and Seems like, uh, yeah, just, uh, I don't know, stuff... Uh, Time gets away from you with everything going on, for sure. Yeah, so. Time flies when you're having fun. Once bow season opens, it seems like everything's gone in a flash. Yep. No, that's that's for sure, man. Um, well, I think today, uh, you know, Zach and I were talking. We're just going to kind of do a little early season recap, talk about some recent hunts that we've been on, and, um, yeah, sort of give a, a – uh, intro as far as that goes um and then yeah just kind of see where where it takes us but i think uh i don't know if zach didn't sound like it had any real nba announcements or anything specific or nope the only major one is uh that link for the deer survey about deer i guess it's deer sighting numbers it's it's finally up anyways on you can find that on game and parks i think it's on their home page even it's pretty easy to find um if you're if you really can't find it um send me a message or something i'll send you a link to it basically just ask you any recent hunts you've had what you're seeing for does and fawns and bucks it's pretty simple to fill out but game and parks would really appreciate your input on that and i know the nba would too so any way we can help out game and parks is always good so yeah yeah for sure yeah i think it i mean not only will it be uh you know, good information for them, but, you know, also, I mean, just by everybody taking part in it, um, when you can, it'd be, uh, I mean, it's good to, good information for everybody to be able to have access to and know. So exactly. You know, I think you and I were talking the other day, it seems like, you know, maybe herd numbers, especially for deer, um, or maybe on the rebound, which is good to see, you know, kind of from what's that 2012, 2013 was kind of that big die off. um, Yeah. Yep, we got EHD real bad. I mean, I wouldn't say we're quite back to what we were then, but we're pretty dang close. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely on the rebound, it's things are looking up. Yeah, I know for sure. Twenty seventeen, I remember was was exceptionally poor for me, at least. I mean, I don't know about if you remember or not, Zach, but um, you know that would have been about you know, like I said, three, four or five years after all that kind of went down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember sitting, I think I sat like, I mean, there was like almost, a, I sat almost a dozen times and didn't even see a deer. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, one of those deals where it's just like, you know, pretty, uh, pretty poor. And I mean, I'm, I know 2018, I saw more. And then last year, it seemed like there was more deer. Um, and so, you know, I, I haven't even been out hunting yet, but it sounds like, I mean, obviously you've been out, we'll talk about that, but, um, it sounds like you've been seeing more, so that's, that's good to see. But Definitely. And I'd say just, you know, even the NBA and even just, I mean, the bow, bow hunting community as a whole, it seems like success has been really good this year so far. I mean, it's yeah. been phenomenal these first couple of weeks. So yeah. I'd say, you know, by a long shot, we're best year yet since that 2012 2013 die off so 
Yeah, no. And yeah, just a real quick plug, uh, you know, congrats to, you know, those NBA members, um, you know, there's been some just absolute dandy whitetail bucks that have been shot here in this early season. And, um, you know, one of, one of which is by yours truly, Zach, um, you, I guess, but we'll talk about that in a little bit, but then also there's been some, um, some others that have been, you know, Ryan Reynolds shot that giant, um, buck in velvet and, um, who's the other one we were talking about? Um, gosh, I can't remember now. Man, there's been so many. I, I even brought <laughs> a, who's all shot him. Hopefully we can, hopefully maybe we can even get a chance to get them on here. The stories yep. about them for a trophy wall or something here yep. soon. Yep. I know a lot of those deer, you know, those people had some history with and they're just amazing stories. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jaden, Jaden shot a nice book too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gosh, there was one other one you were telling me. I, I can't remember. Uh, man, it's okay. Well, maybe I'll think of it later, but, um, but anyways, yeah, congrats to all those guys and, um, you know, guys and gals. I don't know if there's any gals that shot any big ones yet, but um, well, there's a few, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, but yeah, with that, uh, man, let's, uh, let's just, you know, like I said, just jump right into this. Let's talk some, uh, some hunts here. So did we already talk about your Wyoming antelope hunt? I don't think so. I think we did. I think in fact, the last one we recorded was that night before I was getting ready to head yep. out. Yep. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's start with that, man. I'll just give a rundown and, um, just how that hunt went and kind of what you saw, what you did and what, uh, everything that everything that happened I guess yeah so that was a fun trip I kicked off my season going out to Wyoming like you said out west first solo trip I've ever taken so that was a new experience and you know that first night I went out I got up on a ridge and saw a few antelope but I mean it it wasn't like Wyoming where I've hunted in the past this was a new unit numbers were I mean, way down, way down. The the rancher even said, you know, I wish you could have seen it here in the spring or last year. There were antelope everywhere, and their numbers this year were just decimated. You know, I suppose because of the drought, those antelope probably moved a long ways to find some green grass, to, you know, or out or disease or something. But wait, their numbers were way down. I think I saw, if I remember right, I think I only saw five or six bucks in all the days I was there in the area I was hunting anyways um got a little closer to Lusk there were a few more antelope but long story short their numbers were down and I like I said my plan was when we recorded the last podcast I was going to sit water for the first couple of days because it was so dry and to make a long story short I'll save you some grief the summary of the first three days of the hunt is I sat a lot of hours in a blind and the closest an antelope came, closest an antelope buck came to me, I should say, was about 70, he was 70 some yards. And, uh, I had some does come closer, but yeah, to make a long story short, they were some long, painful, hot hours in the blind. And at the uh, third day, in fact, I went all day sitting in a blind and didn't see a single antelope. So that was a summary of the first three days, and I was out of ice after the end of the third day because it was <laughs> in the upper 90s. So, yeah, and uh, I didn't have cell service down where I was hunting. The only service I got was up on the hill, just enough to call my parents every night, let them know I was alive. 
And so, yeah, I, at the end of the third day, I went into Lusk to get some more ice, get some more food and water. And, uh, I, I called my dad on the way there and I just said, you know, I, I went all day just without seeing an antelope out of the blind and I was pretty discouraged. And after talking to him, I decided, you know, maybe I should try some spot and stock day three to just cover as many miles as I could to try to get my eyes on an antelope. And uh, so that's what I did. I got up early morning on day four, climbed to the top of the glass ridge. I'm just getting out my spotter, getting everything all set up. And uh, I hear a challenge call. It was one of those still mornings I could hear a long ways. I was like, that was definitely a challenge call, but it was just dark enough. I couldn't see like distinct objects. Uh, you know, I needed about 10 more minutes of light to be able to see a long ways and pick out a goat. And sure enough, the sun came up just enough. I see a little white dot over on this field way to the north it was. And I don't know what was in this field. It looked like it was drilled, whatever it was. And whatever he had planted there, it was, I don't know, some type of oat maybe. It was all dried up and dead pretty much. But I'd seen an antelope there when I went out. Where was it to scout? No, I think the first day I spotted an antelope out there. And anyways, there's a lone buck that, that uh, was the one that made this challenge call and he uh between us there's kind of some deep cuts and you know enough cover to where I decide if I just try to cut the distance now I can at least you know get within a couple hundred yards of him and keep an eye on him to if he does go over a hill or something I can make a move so that's what I did I left my spotter up there I I grabbed my range finder um my binos my bow and I and the antelope pat decoy that's going to come into play uh took that took off running got into some deep cuts and you know just used cover you know I got behind some sage plants and stuff and cut the distance to a couple hundred yards and this field wasn't very big and anyways he starts feeding up over the hill and acts like he's gonna start going up in the rough stuff and uh so I just decided as soon as he goes over that hill I'm gonna sprint up there and you know try to make a move on him or at least see where he goes up in the rough stuff where I can make a play if need be and so I, I get up to the edge of the field and I, I belly crawl to the top of the hill and he's feeding right down there in the corner of the field, getting ready to go under the fence out into the pasture. And he's like a hundred and some yards and he doesn't see me yet. So I, I belly crawl to the top of the hill, put on the antelope hat decoy and kind of pop up a little bit. And he turns and he looks at me and he starts marching on a beeline right towards me. I'm just like, all right, here we go. And I'm thinking he's going to come right in, you know, 40, 50 yards, give me a chip shot. And he just keeps marching on a beeline. And he gets to about 90 yards and kind of starts to circle to my right. And if he would have kept marching straight at me, he, you know, he can't see my silhouette or anything. But he's getting to the point where if he gets clear to my right, he's going to see my silhouette and he's going to bust. And so I kind of back down a little bit and kind of turn and – he just keeps marching and then marching out to my right. And then he kind of turns straight towards me again and then keeps going to my right. I'm just like, he's, you know, only going to have to go a few more yards to bust me. And so I range him and he was 80 and I drew back. I sat up a little bit and he just stared at me. He still thought I was an antelope, I think. And I, I just took my time, squeezed it off and he didn't, he didn't duck or anything. He just took the arrow, hit him a little bit far back, but, I, I saw there was quite a bit of blood coming out of him and he, I mean, he hauled, I mean, a 
dead sprint. So I get an eye on him. He runs through a cut and I run to the top of the hill to get an eye on him. And he had bedded down on this big flat. And uh, so make a long story short, I got down on a cut, kind of snuck around to try to put another arrow in him. And by the time I, I got to the point where I could make a stock on him, he had bedded behind a big cottonwood along a creek. And so I, I just got down in the creek, you know, crawled a little ways and I was just dragging my feet along the bottom, not, you know, wasn't making any noise. It was working really well to get close to him. And I finally got to a point where I'm just like, if I just follow this creek that this log is only about 25 yards from it, I'm going to be able to shoot him again if I get up behind this log. So I get in the creek, make it all the way to the log, belly crawl up the bank, and I start belly crawling towards the log. And when I first started crawling up there, I could see the tips of his horns sticking up over it. And now I couldn't see him. So I crawl all the way up to the log, and I'm just like, he's going to be right here. So I, I draw back, and I, I pop up, and by that time, he was already dead right behind the log. So hmm. Nice. Yeah, it, the arrow did its job, and... Uh, yeah, it worked out. It was a good trip. I, I gutted him right there, found a nice cottonwood to hang him in, and ended up uh, being able to drag him a little ways to a little access road the rancher had and got him hung up in a cottonwood using my pickup to pull him up and butchered him right there and headed for home. That was it. Was it kind of liver at that area when you put? Or when yeah, you it, it actually uh, caught the back of his lungs. There was some bubbly gotcha. blood coming out of the nice out of the entrance there. So did just what it was supposed to do then. Yep, it, it did what it was supposed to exactly. So yeah, no, that's that's awesome, man. Yeah, it was a nice, good good antelope, good representative antelope, man. That's nice. Yeah, I, I was tickled with him. You know, I like I said, sitting in the blind for three days, I was getting pretty frustrated and yeah, yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather to be honest with you, I'd rather shoot one like him spot and stock that way and face a little bit of adversity than shoot a bigger one chip shot on the first day out of a blind. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was, it was a good trip though. Learned a lot for solo trip. Definitely. Yeah, no, that's uh yeah, I kept uh, kept waiting to hear from you. I was just thinking, you know, God, he's got to be, you know, it was day three or whatever. You know, he'd text me once in a while. I'm thinking, God, you got to be, you know, you weren't seeing much, whatever. And then, yeah, then lo and behold, day four, there it was. So, yep, <laughs> so good work. No, I, I didn't have much service down in there. Those days sitting in a blind, you know, it's one thing where you can have some service to yep. talk to somebody, especially when you're alone, but man, you're alone in there with your thoughts and that can get, that can get pretty boring in there, not having anybody to talk to. No, for sure, man. For sure. Gets to be a, gets to be long days. That's for sure. It does. But, uh, but yeah, congrats on that, man. And then, yeah, geez, you had a, what, it wasn't more than what, a week or so later you were yeah, in Nebraska. A couple weeks later found the goat lone goat we uh week before we actually tried making a stock on one and it was too calm never could get close enough just one of those days where there was absolutely no wind to cover noise or anything and mm -hmm. kind of the same story a couple weeks later there was no wind this day and my dad and i were kind of just ghosting this buck and he's you know basically 
you know, he didn't say it straightforward, but we both knew that we were going to give this buck one chance. As soon as he knew we were there, we were going to leave him. We kind of just kept following him and he stayed far enough in front of us that we never could get a shot. As soon as we'd pop over a hill, he was like 130, 140, you know, out of range. Yeah. And he was just dead calm. And finally we popped over the hill in shooting range and shot him and, uh, he took off in a flash and well, kind of the same thing. It was a little bit back, but not bad. And he ran over this hill and never popped up over the next hill behind it. And so I, we ran up there thinking maybe he's bedded there and he was dead in the bottom already by the time we got over there. So nice. nice. Yeah. That was, that was a hunt that I, I honestly didn't think it was going to come together. It was just too calm. And, ended up working out we just stayed after it and you know worked with what we had and that was that was a good hunt it was a long pack out too i think we had to well we took turns carrying him on our back for a while till we got tired of doing that and then we had to drag him and i think it was two miles by the time we got him to where we could drive the pick. yeah good thing they don't weigh too much i guess but they're exactly right yeah <laughs> take their guts out and man if i can throw them on my shoulders anyone can i'm sure so <laughs> yeah yeah no for sure but, but uh, yeah then you went out out west and yeah you went several days yeah i went over labor day weekend uh out to my usual kind of yearly trip um stay with a buddy of mine in in harrison um and um hunt south of Harrison there is my buddy's uh wife's family basically they have a big ranch down there and so yeah man I headed out I think it was I left Wednesday after work got there pretty late so I hunted Thursday Friday Saturday went home Sunday um but uh yeah man you know you were talking about Wyoming numbers being down but man dude it was uh it was pretty, I mean, you know, I've hunted out there. This is probably my fifth or sixth year hunting out there. And I don't ever claim to be the world's best antelope hunter by any means, but, um, but man, it was, it was really, really tough. Um, you know, and I've kind of heard that from multiple people that have, you know, been out hunting out West and Western Nebraska, especially specifically for antelope that seems like numbers are, down considerably um and it, you know I, I don't know if it's necessarily that the population is down or if it's just they're somewhere else you know they're just um somewhere where like you said maybe there's somewhere where there's better food or whatever but um but yeah i mean i hunted you know i hunted hard i, I think i tallied up you know in three days i put on you know 35 plus miles in three days hiking and um you know and that was really the bulk of that was in a couple days I really did a lot of hiking and then I tried to just be a little bit more mobile and you know didn't didn't drive all over the place but at least like you know I was in the pickup a lot more the last day just trying to find antelope honestly um you know the first day I the, well, pretty much the first stock of the first day was probably my best opportunity 
of the whole trip. I mean, I, I found this buck bedded in this pasture. He was in a perfect spot. I mean, the wind was excellent. You know, I had to go clear around him. I probably went like a mile or two around to get all the way around him. He was kind of bedded. You know, there was a little sort of a little rise kind of just a, almost like a little mini mountain right out in the middle of this pasture. And he was just bedded on the, would have been kind of on the west side of it and it was a southwest wind so it just was perfect setup for for where he was bedded and I ended up sneaking in and um you know I I got to you know I was probably 50 yards from this little mound and I'm thinking well he's got to be right on the other side of it here and so I kept sneaking in and it, it worked pretty good I mean the wind wasn't blowing too hard it was it was okay like a little breezy you know just kind of enough to cover some sound um and and i it actually this pasture they call it the sand hills pasture because it's kind of hilly a little bit parts of it i mean some parts are wide open but parts of it are there's some hills and 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 hence the name there's a lot of there's a lot of sand and um coincidentally this this specific part of the pasture there was some kind of open spots where there's no grass or anything and so I could kind of just put my boot tracks you know in the sand and so really make no noise at all when I was sneaking up you know and so I creep up creep up um you know I'm getting sort of to the crest of this little rise and I'm thinking god he's got to be right here somewhere you know and and I don't know about that time I think I I see his the tips of his horns sticking up and I mean, he's, you know, less than 20 yards. I mean, uh, right there. Um, I think I stepped off his bed and I don't remember what it ended up being. It was like 18 yards maybe or something when I, when I ended up re re evaluating it. So, so anyways, I'm sitting there and I mean, he's got no idea that I'm there. I'm thinking this is perfect opportunity. Like I'm ready to shoot sitting there and, and I, you know, I, you always play it back in your head, you know, what could I have done? And, you know, I had my decoy hat with me and, you know, we kind of talked about this later. I was like, maybe I should have threw that on and kind of let him see that maybe to stood up and given me an opportunity, but you know, maybe he would have bolted too. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, exactly. it's hard to say, but you know, and then the other thing I thought about, I, you know, I know guys talk about, you know, throwing a rock or something, um, you know, kind of, on the other side of them to get them to stand up and look over there, you know? And, yeah. but I mean, I'll be darned if I couldn't find anything to throw. <laughs> I thought about throwing my boot or something. I don't know. I was just like, what? I, there's nothing to throw. Like there's no sticks, there's no rocks, there's no nothing. It was just like sand and grass. Like there wasn't a single thing that I could find to toss and, the one time you can't find a rock. Yeah, I know, right? And so finally, I, you know, I just, I'm sitting there and I just like, well, I'm just gonna have to wait for him to stand, you know, and, um, cause I, I really didn't have any shot. I mean, I, you know, I maybe could have tried to stand up and, and shoot, but I, I assumed that, you know, he would just bust. And I mean, long story short, I probably sat there for, I don't know, it seemed like, it always seems like it's longer than it is. I, I bet it wasn't more than, 30 minutes you know and yeah and all of a sudden I can you know and I had a good range too I mean I ranged his I could I ranged his horns and I mean I I knew exactly it was like like I said like I don't know, I think it's 18 20 yards or something like that and, and so you know eventually he 
I see that he's going to stand. I kind of see him moving around, you know, and he, and as he's standing, I basically come to full draw and I mean, he kind of did the classic, um, bedded to sprint antelope. <laughs> um, and he, you know, of course runs out to about hundred yards and stands there and looks at me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it's kind of tough. Uh, I, I, like I said, I've played that back in my head so many times. I just, I don't know how to, I, I mean, I suppose maybe next time I'd maybe try to just put the, put the hat on and let him see that. And maybe he'd stand and give me at least a couple seconds to, to shoot, but hard saying, like I said, he might've just. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but. Yeah. And I mean, if I'd have been 30 or 40 yards away, you know, maybe I'd have just, I'd have definitely just popped up with it then, but I just, I almost thought I was so close that he was maybe just gonna, he was going to catch some movement and go, you know, yeah. either way, but normally, just didn't you normally you don't have to worry about being too close to antelope. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> with him. Yeah. Like I said, he just happened to be in this, you know, just picture perfect spot for a stock and, and he, and he won, he, he played the chess game and he won. So, um, and yeah, actually I ended up, um, so that was kind of the, that was the first stock of that day. And, I actually ended up, I, um, I got on him two other times that day. I just happened to find him in this next pasture that I went to. Cause like he kind of was running that way and he crossed the road over this other pasture. I didn't end up ever see him go into this pasture, but crossed the road and went over to this other pasture. I ended up finding him again. Um, kind of got within a couple hundred yards of him, waited for him to go over this hill, busted over this hill and, you know, hiking crawling over this hill like where's he at where's he at look 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 and then you know another another one of the classic there he is running away like I don't know if he just caught a little movement I just didn't see him if he was down the bottom or whatever I mean sometimes I feel like they just sort of when they get over those hills and if there's a deep cut they'll just kind of run through it you know like so I don't know if he actually ended up, ever did really see me or anything but and he just kind of trotted off like you know and so and then I ended up finding him again um I sort of regrouped and I was kind of standing there um or you know just sitting down glassing some other areas and I ended up finding him again and this time he was on the neighbor and so I called my buddy I had a little cell service and I said hey do you know who owns that he's like oh yeah let me give him a call so he called him up and he's like oh yeah go over there go ahead and so I ended up sneaking over there got on him again um snuck up to about I think it was 74 is what I ended up I ranged him at 74, which is for me, probably, I mean, that's as far as I would, I would feel comfortable shooting at a, you know, at an animal. Um, but you know, it was kind of an ideal scenario, not distance wise, but just from a standpoint of he actually bedded on a cow path on a side hill. Um, and he had no idea that I was there. He was with two does. They had no idea that I was there. I was kind of behind a little, sort of a rocky outcropping and so I could I could literally I mean what I ended up doing was I got a good range on him it's like okay 74 yards he's bedded it's got no idea I'm here I'm gonna take this shot I can do this um and so I end up I kind of like back down the hill a little ways almost and then you know I mean not more than a couple yards you know but just to give me a little bit of a um like you know a little more of the hill in between us and then I 
pulled back, came to full draw and just kind of slowly inched up the hill to where I was, you know, I could just basically see, you know, just him just over this rock and I shot and I thought the air looked good, but he, of course he jumps up and runs off to about, you know, a hundred yards, <laughs> 100, 130, 140 yards or whatever. And sits there and stare. And of course I threw up the binos real quick and, you know, looked and there was no blood or anything on him. And he was totally, totally unscathed and him and the two does end up running off. And so I went and went and checked the, you know, his bed and I could see right where he bedded or where he was bedded. There was a little imprint in this cow path. And then I could see his, you know, his hoof tracks when he stood up after the shot and, and ran off. And I mean, my arrow was probably, I would say maybe six inches low. I mean, from where he was at. And so just, just missed. Um, But, you know, like I said, that was, that was, uh, I mean, that was really the only good shot. Um, You know, like I said, I had that good opportunity with that first stock, but I mean, that was really the best shot that I had the whole trip. And then, uh, I don't know, the next few days, I mean, man, I put a, I put a lot of miles on. I mean, I found some groups here and there, um, but not, not much for, for single bucks, which, you know, I, I kind of prefer to, if I can try to sneak in on a single buck, that's, I try to target them as much as possible. Um, and even like some of the groups that I got in, I mean, I'd try the, try the hat and they didn't really seem real interested in that. I don't know if it was still just maybe a little early or not. I just, I don't know for sure. Um, I did have one single buck that I put the hat on. He kind of came trotting in. He got to about right about 70, but, you know, I was at full draw, but just, it was like one of those deals. Every time I'm getting ready to shoot, I'm getting ready to shoot. He's like taking a step, moving around, taking a step, moving around, you know, or then he's facing me and I'm like, well, I'm not shooting you head on, you know, (laughs) like, and then he's, and then he turned broadside and take a couple more steps. Just like, it just never, it just never materialized. And so I, I didn't try to push it and I didn't really, I didn't want to, I didn't want to wound him and have him, you know, running all over heck with a, with a wound, you know, arrow sticking out of him or whatever. And so I just, he eventually ran off and I just said, man, that's just the way it goes, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, kind of a, just a tough hunt. Um, I mean, you know, like I said, I've been going out there for this is my fifth or sixth year and, I mean, I would say I maybe saw, I would say less than a quarter of the antelope numbers that I typically see out there. Um, and like I said, that could just be, maybe they were just somewhere else. Um, you know, I, and the, the thing that was a little bit concerning was I think in, in three days of hunting and 35 plus miles, I think I saw two antelope fawns, two fawns. That's crazy. Um, in all the groups, I mean, they were all all mature i mean from what i could tell i mean hard to say i mean i guess if they were born early theoretically they could probably be about the same size as as a doe but you would think they'd still be a little bit smaller yeah, but. You, they, they, yeah typically you know they're smaller they you know even after a, a full year you know they're still i mean not quite the size of you know a mature doe you can see what ones are definitely younger but everything i've heard of numbers are way down across the West. Every, almost every single person that hunted antelope this year saying the same thing. Yeah. Talked to several buddies who even said that and, and ranchers, you know, that numbers are way down. I don't know if it's 
the drought or if they got some disease. I, I don't know. It's like I said, every, everyone I've talked to basically who's antelope hunted this year has said the same thing that numbers are down. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I hopefully, uh, I don't know. Hopefully they can make a comeback, I guess, or at least, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to, hard to know what to think. I mean, I'll be interested to see, you know, if, I don't know if rifle harvest numbers are down or, or, or what. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I talked with a couple other guys too and kind of, they said kind of the same thing. Just, yeah, they just didn't really, didn't really see much as far as, you know, what, what they normally would, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a fun trip. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, like I said, I never claimed to be the world's, best antelope hunter by any means and i just kind of like going out there and tromping around hanging out with my buddies that are out there so it's more of a it ends up being a, a social trip as much as a as an antelope hunting trip which is just fine with me so exactly. it's, it's fun but. yeah <laughs> Getting, being able to spend time with friends and you know antelope's always one of those things that kind of kicks off the season gets things going kind of yep. shakes the rust off of the off season and sharpens you up a little bit as deer approaches it's yep. it's a good way to start the season i th- honestly think antelope spot and stock with a bow still is one of the toughest things you can do in north america they yeah eyesight's unbelievable if if you don't find a lone buck you're dealing with the you know dealing with multiple set size of those does as they get start rutting you know it's it's tough i i love it it's a challenge and and uh you know, antelope hunting is just one of those things. I don't think anyone can really master it. They're such a unique critter that yeah, you know, something different about every hunt with them. They're so challenging. They're, their eyesight, the terrain they live in, it's just just one of those things with a bow. If you can do that, I mean, you can do a lot of things. Yeah. So. No, for sure. Yeah, they're uh, they're a lot of fun that's that's one thing about it they're they're a lot of fun to to chase around i guess but they are speaking of deer season why don't you go uh let's talk about this uh beautiful buck that you harvested man why don't you give us a little uh rundown of that story that's pretty cool uh pretty cool deal so tell us about that yeah man i'm not gonna lie there were a couple weeks there i was about to drive myself insane. I was, I was thinking about that deer so much. I trying to think the first picture we got on him on camera, I believe was right when I got back from Wyoming, we went to check cameras kind of that one last time before season. And he was on there in full velvet in daylight. And I was like, Oh man. And the first time I saw him, just like that buck is, I mean, he was one of the biggest we've had on camera. Mm-hmm. And definitely a top five buck we've ever had on camera and uh anyways he was in there really regular and the spot i was hunting him in is a tree grove that it's actually only about 50 yards wide and oh, i don't know 200 some yards long and it kind of just there's a bunch of little tree groves but this is the main one and i honestly believe he was bedding in there um anyways he was showing up regular I mean, right at last light. There were some night pictures of him, but 
right at last slide about that last 10, 15 minutes of light, but like consistent almost every single day. And anyways, that, that day I shot the Nebraska antelope, you know, I, we go to check cameras. I'm flying high. The antelope's like, Oh man, I, I, I remember my dad saying something about the six by five when we went to check cameras, like, Oh man, you know, got two goats down. Even if you don't, get a big buck man getting those two goats down as huge and I was flying high and went to go check the camera and sure enough there he was and immediately I I don't mean to sound ungrateful or you know greedy but just immediately my mood switched I was like man I gotta get in here after this deer I mean he was on my mind constantly since we got those first pictures of him and just how regular he was and I kind of thought you know he's he's one of those big bucks that I was afraid once he got out of velvet, he was going to go nocturnal and we wouldn't see him again. Cause we kind of ran into that same deal last year on a big buck, probably about the same size as him. We just didn't get after him early. So the first week of season comes and the season opened on a Tuesday. And fortunately this year, my classes are online, but I have lab in person. My lab days are Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So you can pretty much already tell what my plan was that first week of season. Um, opening day, I actually had a right wind for it. And uh, I needed, I either need a west, a northwest, or a north wind out of that stand. And I believe opening day was a straight west, if I remember right. And so anyways, I go to lab Monday, drive back Monday night, you know, take my online classes Tuesday, go to the tree stand. And that first night I sat, uh, saw a few does and the wind was shifty and I, I didn't get winded. The, they didn't blow, but the does that I saw, I mean, the wind was shifting that, that night. It's like, you could definitely tell they got about 80 yards from my stand. One came behind me and the wind really wasn't even blowing towards it, but she stopped and was throwing up her nose and so after that first time, I was like, oh, I might have boogered it a little bit in here with this shifty wind. And so anyways, I got up the next day, and I had lab that afternoon. So I was going to drive back to Kearney, and originally I, I didn't plan on hunting Thursday, even though I could have. I was just going to leave it for a few days and come back Friday and hunt Saturday, Sunday. Didn't have class Monday, and then hunt Tuesday if need be. So I had a few days. I'm just getting ready to kind of get up and go in that morning. And my dad calls me and he goes, I really think you should try to drive back after lab tonight because Thursday looks like it's going to be the last good win for several days. And, you know, I, I looked at the weather and I was like, you know what? He's probably right. Once this thing sheds velvet, he's, you know, probably going to switch. Like I said, he might go nocturnal. And it was the last good win. I was like, I better jump on this opportunity because it might be the last one that I get at him. You know, if there's several days before the next good win, he might shed velvet and be completely different. And so I drive down to Kearney and uh, spend two hours in lab and then drive straight back. So that was the second down back trip I made the, of the week. <laughs> and, uh, so we got up Thursday took my online classes, took care of all that stuff and go to the tree stand. And the wind was perfect when I got in there. And once it died down a little bit, started shifting again. And I was like, this ain't good. You know, I, I was almost thinking, do I back out of here and not risk it? And, you know, it's not, the wind felt stable, but there are times that when it 
felt calm. It almost felt like it was like blown on my neck. And I'm just like, man, I don't know. This might not be a good idea. And I had a little year and a half old buck come down the trail into the clearing and he stopped as soon as he hit the clearing and just backpedaled slowly into the trees. I'm just like, that is definitely not good. I'm just like, there's a year and a half old buck acting that way. What's going to happen when a big buck steps in here? You know, he's going to win me before he even gets within a hundred yards of me. And then I had a doe come in, coming down the trail and uh, she gets about 40 yards from me and just turns and runs. At this point, I'm I'm really thinking, I'm just like, maybe I should get out of here because this isn't looking good right now. And there's the point is probably an hour and a half before dark. I'm just like, you know what, just stay put. It's nothing you can do about it. Like I said, the wind was stable, but there were times that when it was calm, I just kind of felt a little shifty. Mm-hmm. And anyways, towards dark, it finally stabilizes a little bit and kind of shifts a little bit out of the east which is blowing like back behind me kind of out into the pasture and not like it's a bad wind it's not ideal just as long as something you know doesn't come straight behind me which very rarely in that spot something does and anyways I have a doe finally come into the clearing come down the trail and she acted fine and I'm just like okay that that's a little bit encouraging and she's you know, not there more than a few minutes and I see something walking on the outside of the grove and I just see white on top of its head. So it caught my attention, but it was thick enough. I couldn't see what it was. And he just keeps going east, like towards the end of the grove, kind of out towards this hay meadow. And I, I'm thinking, okay, he, I'm not gonna, he's not coming towards me, but I'm at least, he's going to go through a clearing here pretty soon to see, so I can see what he is. I just see white on top of its head. And then all of a sudden he he disappears and a couple minutes later he's coming back up going west. And so he completely switched directions and I, I lose sight of him. He goes behind some trees and I'm just like, where did he go? You know, and this grass inside the grove, I mean, we had so much rain up there, everything in this in the trees right now, the weeds are so high. And the next time I see this deer, he's 30 yards away from me, and I just see his rack up over the top of the grass. And immediately I, I knew, I'm just like, oh man, that's him. And so there were a few raccoons in front of me and these deer and raccoons have been fighting like no other. I mean, there are so many raccoons in this place. It ain't even funny. And this doe was already fighting with them. And, and anyways, this buck kind of, he comes down the trail and this doe sees him and she takes off like not running, but she kind of trots behind me. I'm just like, if she gets behind me, she's going to win me like 110%. And so I'm, I'm kind of in a time crunch. I'm just like, this buck is going to have to get in here and turn broadside and give me a shot like as soon as possible because this doe's working behind me. She's going to win me. So she starts continuing down the trail and is going to go out of the backside of the grove. And this buck's still walking quartering towards me. Like this point, he's 25 yards and just closing, just kind of continuing into the clearing. And so he, he keeps stepping towards me and he gets to 20 yards and he's still quartering too. And he, and he sees one of those raccoons and takes a step at it and bats at him. And so when he turned and batted at him, he's like facing straight at me. And anyways, the coon ran off and the buck turned like 180 degrees to get back on the trail. And that's when I drew my bow and he turned quartering away and I just shot I mean, I heard a solid hit and he just took off crashing through the trees and it was just silent then. 
And so I, I get down, I, and I, I gave him a few minutes, got down, looked for blood. There's nothing. And I just snuck out of the grove because my dad was sitting a few hundred yards away from me, and I had to go get him. And uh, so I drive over, I get him, and he had hit a buck. And I'm just like, oh, man, this is a fiasco. And he, <laughs> he, he said he had hit his a little bit back, and he made the decision right there. He was backing out and coming in the morning. And I, I had no decision to do that. I mean, I had lab at 8 a.m., and that's not optional for me right now to miss. I, I can miss class, probably get away with that, but lab's not an option just because they're trying to squeeze us in and get everything done right now. And I, I was confident in my shot. I mean, I, I heard it hit good. I saw it hit good, but you always start second-guessing. And as we're going back to trailing, I'm starting to second-guess it. You know, I – you know, as soon as you start talking to somebody else about it, that's always when you start thinking, you know, did I really hit it there? I'm like, yeah. tell myself, shut up. You saw what you did. You heard what you did. There's no question about it. So we go into the grove, start trailing. We get 10 yards into the trail, and the deer jumps up and takes off crashing through the trees. And we didn't see it because it was dark at this point. And it sounded like a heavy deer. My dad turns and looks, goes, we just jumped him. And it kind of caught me off guard when I heard that deer jump. So I didn't have time. I wasn't thinking clearly. My dad starts walking out of the grove, walking back to the pickup, you know, didn't verbally say it, but kind of the suggestion we're coming back in the morning. And like I said, I, it caught me off guard. It scared me a little bit in my mind's, you know, just racing and I get in the pickup and things start kind of clearing up a little bit. And I'm just like, there was no way that that was that deer. You know, if, if it bedded 10 yards in the trail, I would have saw it. It, it. It's thick in there, but isn't that thick. Yeah. I, I would assume his gear if he bedded 10 yards in the trail. And he starts driving down the road to go back. And I just said, Dad, that wasn't that deer. He's like, are you positive? And I'm just like, I'm 100% positive that wasn't that deer. So he turns around, goes back in. He goes, he's like, all right, here's the call of your life right here. What's it going to be? I'm just like, I, I know what I heard and I saw what I did. I'm, I'm not going to go back on it and start second guessing myself. And so we go start following the trail, still no blood. And my dad's just following the trail, you know, that, that he ran down and he's shining his light. And all of a sudden I see a white belly up at the edge of his light. And he was right there. I mean, <laughs> 60 some yards i mean 70 at most and it's piled up right there so jeez man it's yeah. awesome <laughs> yeah it was it was quite the feeling but we we took pictures right there and i didn't really get much time to soak it in till the drive back because i he dropped me off at my car and i had to get back to lab i didn't get back to carney till about 12 30 and had to be up for 8 a.m lab and i think i maybe got four hours of sleep that night, a little bit less, but it's yeah. all worth it. Yeah, man. No, that's, uh, that's awesome, man. That's, uh, you know, you brought up a good point. It just, you know, trust in, uh, you know, I, I think as bow hunters, you know, I think if you, if you haven't wounded a deer, you haven't, or, you know, an animal, you haven't been hunting long enough, you know, and um, I think that's just inevitable. Um, unfortunately, um, just because, you know, in that moment of truth, you know, there's just so many things that can happen. Um, a lot of which are just not even up to our control. You know, we can only control so much and, you know, it's good to, you know, to just, you know, remember and, and, and really think about what happened and analyze the situation and not second guess yourself. And, 
Um, you know, I, I, I think about that exact same thing. You know, I remember a couple years ago when I shot that really nice white tail, um, you know, I, I remember, I remember shooting him and thinking that was absolutely a perfect shot, like maybe an inch higher of where I was looking, but like his pretty steep down angle. Like I'm like, that deer's dead. Like absolutely, you know, but then it's like, you know, we start blood trailing is like no blood, no blood, no blood, you know, maybe just a speck here, maybe a speck there. And it's like, gosh, like, did I not see what I saw? You know, did I not like, and then I was like, well, I'm pretty sure I thought I heard a crash. Like what, you know, what, you know, just like all these things start playing in your mind. And, um, and it's just like, no, no, like, you know what you saw, like, this is what you heard. Like, just like, trust that that's what, what's happened, you know, um, try to make the best decision you can based on that. And, and, you know, like I said, lo and behold, yeah, then my, my dad ends up finding him dead. I mean, I'm sure he'd been I mean, I heard the crash like less than 10 seconds after I shot him, you know? And so, um, and he was just, you know, laying not more than, I don't know, maybe he was 80, hundred yards away from where I shot him. But so I don't know, you just, you bring up a good point with that. Just trusting that, you know, you, you, uh, you made a good shot. And if you think it was a good shot that, you know, it was a good shot. And, Exactly right. Go go with your first instinct. You're always going to second guess yourself. It's just yep. human nature. Just as soon as you release that arrow, take mental notes. Those first things that you see in here, stick with that. Because that's as soon as you get out of the stand and start letting your emotions get the best of you and talking with others, you're going to want to think otherwise. But always go with that first instinct. What you see, what you hear, take mental notes and, and stick to your guns. Yep. I mean, that's those first what you see out of the stand is your best, you know, are your best clues, your best information, what you're going to have to recover in that deer. Yeah. Don't, don't go back on anything because that's when you start not recalling stuff clearly. And that's where things go South right there. Yeah. No, and you made another good point too. Just, you know, trust what you saw and just accept whatever consequences that's going to bring, you know, like I think of another, you know, I think it just last year too, my, my buddy, a couple buddies, we were hunting up at the ranch and, um, you know, my, my good buddy, Neil, um, he was hunting a stand, um, shot this mule deer buck. He said, thought it looked perfect. And honestly, I'm pretty sure, I'm sure it was perfect. You know, I'm sure it was a great shot. Um, but you know, just, the way that it turned out was very unfortunate. Like, you know, it just ended up, you know, that night it was snowing, blowing. I mean, we couldn't find any blood. We couldn't, we, we, we didn't, you know, he kind of knew what direction it went, but like basically he's sitting on this field and like it went over this lip and then you can't see anything after that. So we had no idea really what direction he went. I mean, there's this huge Canyon and it could have gone anywhere, you know, and, you know, so we looked, you know, we looked all that night and couldn't find any blood or anything. And so, you know, I, I, you know, we made the decision to, to back out just because, you know, I mean, yeah, it was a, we were pretty sure it was a good shot, but, um, you know, just sometimes, you know, you, you, there's not a lot that you can do in certain situations. And luckily that didn't turn out for you the way that that did, but I mean, we ended up finding the deer the next day. Um, and I'm sure he was dead within minutes you know um and uh unfortunately the coyotes found him before we did but um, <laughs> um but uh, sometimes you know 
but, uh, but anyways, it just, yeah, I mean, you know, and I, and I'm sure, you know, he told me, he's like, no, it was a good shot, man. I'm hundred percent sure. And, and it just happened that the weather was just not conducive to trying to find that deer. And, yeah. um, and, and I kind of feel bad, you know, I look back on it and I was like, you know, maybe we should have just kept looking, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that decision. I don't know. It just, uh, I think every situation is different and it's like, exactly. like you said, just trusting your gut and knowing, knowing when it's right and when it's not. And yeah. Yep. Like you said, it's a situation by situation, you know, deal. It's one of those things where you run the risk of bumping something. If you're not a hundred percent certain that deer is dead and then you may never recover. You know, no one gets the deer then, uh, you know, when in doubt back out is what they say. Yeah. Yep. You did make a bad shot and you aren't certain of it. There's nothing wrong with that. You push that deer. It's going to be a miserable experience for both the deer and you. You know, it's, it sucks backing out, but if that's what you got to do, you got to do it. You know, it's it's a tough decision, but but yeah. Then your dad found that buck, by the way, right? He did. Yep. And it, uh, it hadn't gone far. Coyotes didn't get it. He died down kind of in a little low spot. Meat stayed nice and cool. Velvet five by five. So he was pretty pickled. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep, he did. Forgot to mention that. He did recover that buck. And yep. Yeah, I think he spent 10 minutes that next morning and they found him. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, um, probably better wrap this up. I get back to to work here we're, we're doing this kind of over the lunch hour <laughs> little uh, little lunch hour podcast so yeah um and you probably got us take off for that elk hunt tomorrow yeah man no yeah tomorrow i'm leaving for idaho so um got i've packed and repacked and packed and repacked my stuff about 15 times now so um can't wait to realize what i forget when i'm i was just about to say that <laughs> times just to leave something you need but uh, I got my camo and I got my bow, and so I think we should be good. So, <laughs> if you have clothes, your bow, and your rangefinder, that's all you need. You can survive yep. without everything else. Yep, no, for sure. So, yeah, I'm excited. We'll we'll have to do a, a another one um, as soon as I get back, and we'll recap that. And um, hopefully, I'm I'm uh, telling you about a dead elk. But uh, I hope so. Hopefully, we're at your place eating some fresh elk steak next yeah. time yeah exactly exactly that'd be good so we'll uh yeah we'll see how it goes but i'm i'm pretty excited I haven't uh i mean i've never gone elk hunting so this is uh first for me and um i just have no idea what to even expect honestly i i don't know i mean we'll just it'll i'll learn a lot if nothing else so It'll be good in that for, regard. For a tree, that I can tell you that that's what you should expect. So, but yeah, man. Well, um, good luck if you get out hunting while I'm gone. But otherwise, we'll I'll get this uploaded before I take off tomorrow. And um, good luck to all you other guys out there that are putting time in the tree stands. If anybody's out elk hunting, I know your dad's out right now. Um, yep, I. So. I won't throw any spoilers, but it sounds like they had a pretty eventful morning. He had one jump his string and close call and had another one. He had it 15 yards and needed one step. So sounds like they're into bulls, though. Cool. Good. Well, hopefully 
hopefully it pans out for him. We'll be, we'll be looking forward to that story too. So we might have to get him on there with you and you guys can hopefully tell us about your big bowl story. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. So, all right, dude. Well, um, I guess, uh, I think that's pretty much it. Anything else? I don't think so. All right, man. Well, this is Kyle Klammer here. This is Zach Welch. And this is the Good Life Bowhunter, the official podcast of the NBA. Take care, guys. Good luck out there.